This week's Inside Supercars is brought to you by Manscaped, featuring the brand new Lawnmower 3. And when was the last time you shaved that quarantine area in your pants, Tony? That's a well, one that I'll uh, leave with my surgeon for uh, more questions about the future of. But uh, the one thing I'll say about the uh, products that Manscaped provide is that they're all great quality. There's uh, nothing rubbish. There's nothing uh, imported from a cheap sweatshop out the back of the wherever. It's uh, it's nicely put together and certainly quality products you can use with confidence. Yeah, well-balanced, safe. And with the launch of the Lawnmower 3 in Australia... We've got a great deal. The support of Inside Supercars by Manscaped, they are giving you the chance to get 20% off plus free shipping if you just use the code INSIDESC. That's INSIDESC at manscaped.com. Well, they say your balls will thank you, but I tell you what, Tony, they had to go and find two of the oldest presenters in motorsport uh, podcasting to uh, promote the product here because uh, I think our average age of the uh, presenters would be about 60 to do. And one thing about that is uh, motor racing, everyone says you've got to have big balls to do it. And I don't know about you, but they just seem to get bigger and bigger every year. The Manscaped product will certainly look after that. We thank them for coming on board and, uh, well, we hope you enjoy the podcast. For those nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day, there's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub, there's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside Supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team here. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Lavelle, and we're joined by two of the stalwarts of the motor racing press in Australia. Uh, we're spread around the country, um, We've got in Brisbane, Jordan Mulek, who is uh, touring car times and soon to be joining also Witch Car. Welcome on board, Jordan. Thank you very much, Tony. And in Sydney, we have Gary O'Brien, a long-time auto action correspondent and the national editor for the publication, as he's been doing for many years. Gary, welcome on board. Thank you, Tony. Craig, um, I noticed you stretched that long out a bit too far for my liking, but we'll live with it. <laughs> Uh, look, there, there are people in pit lane who I do not recognise. I was there at Salem Men at the weekend. For the fourth time I've been to Salem Men, the media centre was in its fourth different location. None of the uh, restaurants upstairs were open to the public. It was all closed down. We had boxes of food delivered, which was nice of them to do. Um, it was just another very different meeting. But uh, nevertheless, I suggest it was a successful meeting because uh, it certainly seemed like there was plenty of crowd. I saw them on Sunday night leaving the place, vast queues of them. Um, you would have, Gary, seen some sort of report on uh, how successful it was? It looked like it was, um, well, a lot of the people who uh, commented on it were South Australians and they're very parochial. 
<laughs> I won't name who they are, but they know who they are, and justifiably too. I think they um, they really suffered on Saturday with the heavy rain, but Sunday was looked like it was pretty good, and crowd. Uh, would tell from the fact that you mentioned that getting out of the place is not the easiest thing in the world and there would have been a queue going back to Adelaide uh, stretching well into the darkness. And Jordan, my mail was 30,000 plus across the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a pretty good attendance from an event which, yeah, as you said, was hampered by pretty horrible weather on the Saturday plus the... uh, clash of the Adelaide AFL teams. That was something to take into account as well with Port Power and the Crows going at it in their showdown. So all those things are pretty major for supercars to factor in and you think that maybe they could have timed the event a bit better. But, I mean, we saw, especially after last year, with the Ben losing out at first when the calendar was reshuffled kind of post-initial lockdowns with COVID that... um it really is an important track now for the cars to be at. They're really finding a, a happy kind of medium uh, with supercars and their relationship there. So, yeah, I hope that crowds just keep building year on year and possibly supercars plugs it at a more favourable time of the year for everyone. I guess that um, the, the factor that you have to take into account is that you really can't plan that far in advance because... If you have a scheduled meeting and a slightly to go ahead, you jump at it in case there's another sudden lockdown. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a it's a downside that we definitely saw last year, especially with balls at the Darwin rounds being postponed by a week each, and even this year with the Tasmania round being pushed back. That I mean, yeah, if they'd done it about a week or two in advance, there was always the chance that it could have been pushed back again and put itself in a um, yeah a time slot but wasn't quite as strong as it had initially been planned. Bathurst in particular last year uh, seen accommodation at a pre- premium because it was pushed back and as a result, holiday period. <laughs> it was an extraordinary meeting. Um, we had uh, boards up the front again, which hadn't been the way this year. Jordan, you would have seen a few things stand out. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've got to wonder whether the bend is much more of a forward track these days, given that while when it first came to the calendar in 2018, we were in the last year of the Falcon and they didn't perform that strong. Pretty much every race since then has been really controlled by the Mustangs. I mean, I think it was nearly a clean sweep last year. Pretty much was this round. I did love the stat that our uh, good friend Aaron Noonan, the V8 sleuth, put out that it was the first time ever that three different four drivers had won three races over a round. Um, But, yeah, just especially in the first race in those kind of trying conditions, really great racing. You you can't give it to Andre more than that. Like, that was just an amazing drive from him. We all knew that he could drive in the wet and was perhaps a really underrated wet weather artist. We'd seen it 2017 in the Gold Coast, how he dominated the first half of that race when he was parted with Tim Slade into a pit stop issue. So it was really good to see Andre finally break through for that first win. And hopefully with that monkey off his back, he'll be performing well for the rest of the season. But, you know, minus the uh, bit of carnage that saw that we saw at the start of the second race on Sunday, um, that was a great drive by Anton. Again, really well-deserved and great for him to find his feet 
with DJR, same with Davison. I mean, a one-two for DJR, many people thought that that wouldn't happen at least this season after the departure of Team Penske. And, yeah, for the weekend to be rounded out by Waters finally cracking through for its first win of 2021. I mean, who of us at the start of the season thought that Cam Waters, who had come off 2020 with such a spree in his step and such pace at the latter end of the year, would have to wait this long in 2021 and be beaten by two other Ford teams to actually secure his first year. And you have to think, uh, Gary, that uh, it was more to do with them stepping up and Triple Eight maybe having a bit of a stumble because they didn't really appear while Shane got a second. Jamie really was nowhere near things uh, all weekend. It was, Tony, it was a similar scenario to last year. The Triple Eight cars weren't really in the hunt last year. Uh, a couple of good performances. Perhaps uh, 2019 was a better scenario of where Triple Eight were because they were using that same track and they used it for the first round last year that they went there and then they went to that other circuit. But uh, primary to everything, whoever was in front had a pretty good chance of winning it. It was hard to see anyone passing anyone up near the front of the field, although we did see some passing further down the field, uh, one that stands out in my mind was Nick Perkett's run from the back of the field and just missed the podium finish in one of the races. Obviously, uh, uh, gambling on tyres was a big help. But, yeah, it's uh, the the old passing um, becomes a bit of an issue again. Uh, it be interesting to see where they go in the future for that. Yeah, indeed. Um, I, I had a talk to uh, Kevin Fitzsimon uh, um, on uh, Saturday, Sunday morning, and uh, he certainly was a mine and didn't expect and didn't hadn't seen any uh, problems at all with the uh, the new tyre. Obviously, at that stage, there'd been very little dry weather running, uh, although the latter half of the Saturday race was, of course, in the dry. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as usual, Brad Jones and his uh, guys down there did their usual trick of uh, pulling a strategy out of... Uh, in air and uh, making it work for them. They had uh, qualified atrociously, I think, the last four cars on the grid. Um, of course, uh, Sunday also featured uh, uh, Tom Randall doing an excellent job. It was a standout uh, for him, I would have thought. Jordan, uh, you would have known Tom, I suppose, a bit, and um, you'd be pleased for him. I mean, I, I remember first interviewing Tom uh, at the end of 2015, just after he'd won the round of Formula 4 at Homebush and right then you knew that this kid was something special and that he had a deft touch within the cockpit. I mean, he obviously did his overseas uh, venture, which like every Australian ended up in him coming back to our shores because of the lack of funds, which, you know, someone could write a book about how that's the greatest inequality in motorsport in the world right now. But anyway, um, yeah, Thomas is a great steerer. It's great that he's gotten this chance again to do a wildcard race with Tickford. I mean, the fact that he's not on the grid full-time is a big travesty in our sport. He needs to be on the grid, but the big question is at whose cost because you don't see Tickford opening back up to four cars now that they've scaled down to three. You've got to wonder if Jack LeBrock is going to stick in the series for very long, given that he's possibly underperformed recently. Randall's the... A new future, um, it seems, you know, not only in 10 tops but open wheels, he could have had the chance to win the inaugural F5000 
championship, but couldn't for various reasons. So I think Randall's a real star of the future. I've thought of it for a while. It's just someone's got to give him a crack in full-time supercars land, but in proper machinery as well. And, uh, Gary, um, I didn't get to see any of the uh, support categories. Um just running through in Porsche Carrera Cup, which is the usual close race. He had a pretty debacle uh, race on the Saturday in the wet. Um, then uh, there was also the uh, GT category. They had a one-hour race Saturday and Sunday. Um, the Historics, uh, Heritage Cars. Um, who are the standouts in, uh, in that category? Well, I must say Brett Hobson in the uh, Nissan Mismo on the Saturday, he runs in the GT Trophy Series. Now, they have a, a different uh, BOP to what the GT3 championship cars have. But in those wet conditions, uh, he won by something like 50 seconds. It was unbelievable. Uh, the, the mandatory pit stops certainly would have helped because they have less time in the pits in the first race. Um, and then the second race, of course, it was the status quo resuming with uh, Yasser Shahin and Garth Tander taking the win there. But the um, it's a gentleman's category, there's no doubt about that. But the uh, uh, pit stop timings still leaves a lot of people up in the air and wondering what's going on. And that needs to be simplified or clarified or something just to make it a little bit easier for everyone to understand. Um, as far as uh, the Porsches went, well, did they turn it on uh, seven cars out uh, before they got to the first corner of the first race with a bit of a pile up there involved quite a few cars. And then uh, when they just got going again, the top three decided they would have a another little incident down at turn one on the opening lap. So basically that race finished behind the safety car. And of course, uh, Sunday they were a lot better behaved and put on a better performance. Historic touring cars, uh, you called them Heritage. They're actually Heritage is the later Group C, Group A cars. Uh, we're talking Group N, which precedes that and is really what uh, Touring Car Masters started out as and has sort of uh, exploded away from that to quite an extent. But you do see a different sort of car in uh, historic touring cars like Camaros, Mazdas, Tiranas, Falcons, and... Uh, the Western Australian, Aldo Di Piola, uh, won two races. And the master, Jason Humble, actually won a race, but it was very wet on track. It wasn't raining, but it was wet. And uh, suited his master down to a tee. And, of course, we had the Super Utes come on for their first race. And um, I think they were pretty well received. Uh, Ryle Harris won two races. He's used to that sort of configuration of, of a machine to run around in. And Aaron Borg won the last race. So... Um, there's still a way to go there. You'd think they'd be a little bit closer than what they turned out, but I think driving talent probably had a bit to do with that as well. We'll just take a break in the proceedings to let you know how you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code InsideSC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code InsideSC. It's time to shave those balls. Now, it's back to the show. Here with Jordan Mulek and Gary O'Brien. One of the things that interests me, and particularly, Gary, you would have been at Sydney Motorsport Park the previous weekend for the uh, Shannon's round, which included the TCR, the 5,000s, 
trans, ams and other categories, was when you look at the card for the supercars tail and bend, and even when I think back to, say, uh, Simmons Plains, it doesn't seem like the old days of what we used to at a supercar V8, or V8 supercars as we used to know them, um, round, in that it was short, sharp racing, you know, lots of things getting through, tight racing. It just didn't have that there. Now, part of it, obviously, is because they're racing on a long track, and although the Shaheen family would like to be racing on the 7.7-kilometre track, it's almost complete odds with the Tony Cochran ethos of get the cars going past, you know, in a minute or as close as you can to that. Well, I did um, like that West Circuit where they raced uh, the second time they were there last year uh, because of the track's a bit shorter. It uh, lends itself to a bit different style of racing. What you say is true, Tony, in the fact that if you have a breakdown, particularly on the seven-kilometre track, if you have a breakdown out the back somewhere, it might take you 15 minutes to get out there to find the car and bring it back. So you've got to take that into consideration as well. Interesting that one of the super youths spun off the track and when he came back on, he'd lost direction and had to take the long track to find his way back, back to the circuit. That was a bit amusing. That's the second time that's happened. It happened to one of the radical drivers over there uh, two years ago. Peter Patton uh, spun off at around turn seven somewhere and he, when he rejoined on the bitchman and started driving, he thought, I don't recall this part of the circuit before, but um, maybe they need to um, show better indication to the drivers about where they are. If they do spin off, you do sort of lose direction for a minute or two. It's interesting now we're six winners from the last six races. Uh, you go back to what is it the second uh, the first race of uh, Tasmania where you had Shane Van Gisberg and then you had Jamie Wincup, Chas Mostert, Andre Heimgartner, Anton De Pasquale, and Cameron Waters. If we were talking parody, and I did notice that Shane Van Gisbergen had a, a sneaky little chip of uh, Cameron Waters, who after Tassie said there's a parody problem, uh, he he uh, said on the podium, or not on the podium, at the uh, end of the race. He said, we don't hear him talking about parody now. I, I personally think it's a, it's a non-issue this year. I mean, everyone, um, they're running the same kind of cars that they were last year. I mean, yeah, a bit of the kind of underguards or, you know, the wheel guards have changed with the Commodore, but I don't think it's that much of a, a difference if it was than, you know, more than just Waters would surely pipe up about it at that time i mean it, it looks like waters especially in tasmania they were really just struggling to make their qualifying car last during a race i mean it had great one lap pace but not over the distance i i don't think the parody word probably needs to be brought up by anyone for the rest of the year because they're all running the same packages if they're unhappy about it then hopefully we've got a whole new package coming around next year but i mean the fact that the last six races have been won by six drivers, but from five different teams as well. That shows that something is right at the moment. And for those teams to not only be Triple Eight and DJR, which have been really the strongest competitors over the past couple of years, but for Tickford, who have been hit and miss, and also Walkinshaw to get back on the top step, given they haven't had a win since 2018 with Scott Pye. And that was, you know, against 
they were in Commodores, the Mustang, sorry, the Falcon was still around and the Alphama was still around. So the fact that they're able to be competitive in this environment, the battle for third place in the championship is really, really on right now between Davison, Moster and Waters. I think that's going to be a really great battle, but the cars are as close as they've ever been. Whether the quality of racing is any good, given all the aero wash and downforce nonsense talk, who knows, but the point is that the cars are as close as they can be right now before we hopefully head to Gen 3. Mm. And talking about speed, Gary, uh, I don't know how this works, but the official Armour Royal pole position stats says that we've had six Holdens and six Ford pole positions, but we've only had 11 races this year, so I don't quite understand how that stacks up. But obviously Shane Van Gisbergen's had five of the six for uh, the Holden side. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, Chaz, I think Chaz got the other one, didn't he? Memory serves me right. Yep, Chaz um, got the other one. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, perhaps uh, Shane has to go out and break his shoulder again and find that form that he had, <laughs> had back at uh, Sandown and Simmons. Uh, um, I agree with Jordan. Uh, I don't think there's an issue with parity. I think it's just making a, a good qualifying car into a good race car. And it just needs a, a, a minor increment of change, and that that makes a difference. And it's what it is. It's you've been able to perform at a certain level, at lap after lap after lap, not just after one lap. And I think that's where Tickford took a little bit longer to nail that one. Certainly, um, uh, the other cars are reasonably quick. Uh, we talked about uh, Thomas Randall before. We know he's thereabouts. Uh, Courtney was in in proximity for a while. Jack LeBrock, at one stage, I think, at the bend was up to top three or something, but then fell away from there. That's in qualifying I'm talking about. So I think all the cars can qualify well. It's just that some of them aren't managing their uh, race craft quite on the, on the money. Um, as for on the Holden side of things, yeah, it's a little bit Triple uh, H-ish at the moment, walking sure. Bryce Dawood showed a little bit better form last weekend than he has in uh, the previous two rounds where he is nowhere. Um, Tony alluded to the fact that BJR really had a shock as far as qualifying goes, particularly for the first race, the slowest four cars in the field. Um, Erebus, well, they had, they had pretty good form, I thought considering they're two new guys on the block at the moment. But got to remember, too, that they've had a few extra laps at the bend with the uh, rookie day that was uh, that happened there just a little while ago. Um, uh, to, uh, techno, and well, they're still struggling a bit. I'm not sure what the situation is there, whether they've got the most up-to-date cars, who knows. Um and walking sure well already mentioned. And Jordan, um, what standouts were there for you? I mean, the obvious ones were the race winners and the teams that did well, but were there any other particular drives that were put in by anybody that uh, over the three races that you saw as something worthwhile? I mean, uh, as we've touched on the whole Brad Jones racing debacle, the fact that Nick Perkett had to come back from that far back on the grid and make use of a really sneaky um, uh, kind of tyre advantage at the start. I mean, it showed that he is a good steerer, 
perhaps he needs to be in a better car. I've been talking with a, a mate about this over the past few days recently, and it's like, well, where do you put Percat? Because he's probably a top 10 driver in the category, but he's not in a top 10 car. And that was kind of shown on Saturday where in the outright drive or in the outright pace in the wet qualifying, they just didn't have anything to fire with. But then as the race wore on, I mean, the fact that he came home P5, he could have been P3, really shows that perhaps he needs to get himself into a better seat. But no, I think the standout of the weekend for me was Andre just breaking through for that first win in commanding fashion. It'll go down and people remember the fact that he won that with a five-second penalty against his name as well and he knew that it was coming. So, yeah, it, it was pretty special to see that he was finally able to break through. It was almost like Mark Webber when he won his first Formula 1 Grand Prix that he did that after serving a, a drive-through penalty and Andre had his five-second penalty, it drives that which really established yourself in the category and hopefully he can keep that up in the future and keep ending up on that top step of the podium. Indeed it was. And, look, delightful to have you two uh, guys on. Gary O'Brien from Auto Action and Jordan Mulek from Touring Car Times. Fantastic. And we'll certainly catch up with you soon. Will either of you be at Winton? I'm not sure at this stage. Um, just depends what sort of work's available and uh, uh, would obviously be driving down if I go. Um, yeah, not sure. And definitely right, not for Jordan? me. I can, think of, I can think of better things to do with my time than freezing my tits off in rural Victoria. We'll be sitting on the shores of Lake Panala thinking, like, wonder where those other guys are. Well, anyway, Craig and I will be there, <laughs> and we'll make sure that we send a big cheerio on Zoom. So thank you for joining us on Inside Supercars. Gary O'Brien, Auto Action, and Jordan Mulek from Touring Car Times. Craig hey, Bell, thanks, thank you. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Inside Supercars. Don't forget that great offer from Manscaped, our proud sponsors of Inside Supercars, and that is 20% off and free shipping available at manscaped.com if you use the promo code INSIDESC. INSIDESC at manscaped.com, and your balls will thank you. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.